two, three, good. That's it. Move on in. We've got a few still wandering through from the back there. Right. Have we got everybody? Any Anybody up in the cabins or rooms you know of? They're all here? Brilliant. Well, what a great day, hey? The Lord brought the rain last night, so it didn't interfere with yesterday, and it's not interfering with today, so um, that's excellent. Thank God for His mercies that are new every morning. Okay, now that you've all sat down, I want you all to stand up and head out to the platform, and we'll take a photo. Uh, <laughs> it's the only way to get you all together. Sorry.
Oh, I can just dry my butt off. Is there three there? Is it just me, you, and Chelsea? Yeah, so don't worry about it now. No, at the end, end. Good morning, Exchange Church, and welcome to our 2019 church service at Kalara. We are going to stand this morning and sing praise. So would you stand with us and sing, Lord, reign in me. you got a very clear voice. Yeah. Um, I've heard that, do you sing? I, I can imagine if you use that voice to sing, I imagine that'd be pretty good. So yeah, yeah. Uh, morning, everyone. Hope you all had a good sleep like I did. I had a hot shower, who didn't? <laughs> Excellent, hot showers. Like, yeah. Anyway, um, I'll pray. Lord, thank you that we can meet. Thank you for this great place to sit here, the sun shining in after rain. Uh, we're so blessed and we're blessed too to have one another's company, to be brothers and sisters in Christ, to have your clear and written word and again, I pray that you'll, by your spirit, work through your word, write it on our hearts and change us, we pray. Amen. Technology working, it is. What's the most useful app on your phone? Now, I said most useful, not favourite, okay? The alarm, okay? Yep, the alarm. They're my most useful apps, reminder and calendar, because... um, they help me not to forget. Um, do you guys, any, any of you here ever forget? And, and everyone who says they don't forget, it's because they've forgotten all the times that they forget, you see. So uh, we all forget, don't we? Um, well, one of the big themes in 2 Peter is remembering, okay? Peter clearly thinks that we um, need to remember... And never forget, uh, remembering is an important part of the Christian life. I just want to show you, um, just, so, just see how many times he mentions it, okay? So I'll, I'll always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it's right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body. 
um, verse 15, and I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. Then I think, oh yeah, chapter three, dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I've written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want to recall the words, I want to recall the words of the prophets spoken in the past by the prophets and the command given by our Lord and Saviour through your apostles. Um, Then he says, um, but they deliberately forget that long ago by God's words the heavens come into being and the earth was formed out of water, Uh, water and by water, yeah. Um, It's uh, amazing, isn't it? Just how many times... Peter talks about being reminded and he knows the, the sinful human heart, deliberately forget. Does, does anyone here ever deliberately forget? No, 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 I'm telling you, there's no maybe about it. You all do. <laughs> like I've ridden motorbikes all my life and the last bike I had, I just sold it recently, banned at 1,200, okay. Um, every time I got on that, I just deliberately forgot the road rules. It was such a problem that I've sold it. I was a complete hypocrite, okay? We all deliberately forget, don't we? Fellas, do you deliberately forget what Jesus said about looking at a woman when you're driving down the street? Yep, of course you do. Uh, Ladies, do you deliberately forget? Maybe you don't know, but do 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 you forget that gossip is in the same paragraph that condemns murder and adultery? I'm told that ladies gossip. Sorry if I got that wrong. Um, We deliberately forget. Now, um, the history of God's people in the Old Testament is that they they just forgot. You read through Deuteronomy and they write all these laws, so that you may not forget, so that you may not forget. And then you read through the rest of the Old Testament and they deliberately forgot and they forgot and they forgot the Lord and they forgot his word. Um, Listen to what Jeremiah says. He says, does a young woman forget her jewellery? Doesn't look like you do. You've got a bit on. right? Um, Does a bride forget her wedding ornaments? No. Yet, he says, my people have forgotten me for days without number. Um, Peter knows that God's people forgetting him, forgetting his word, has always been and will always be a problem. Um, And he knows that to be stable Christians, um, we and to be given to wholesome thinking, thinking well about life um, in a world full of deception and lies, then we must never forget. And so I said that there's there's three big ideas in Peter. Change the colour so that you can all see it. Um, grow and never stop growing, escape, never go back and remember and never forget. And that's what we're thinking about this morning. Uh, I've got two reasons why we should never forget um, and they're not on there. There they go, look at that. Um, I I realised I could talk all morning about this from 2 Peter. So I've tried to boil it all down into just two things. We've got to remember and never forget God's word so we know which word is which. Okay? And we need to remember and never forget so that we can be sure of the future. 
all right? So there's the two points. If you like taking notes, write those down and that'll be kind of where we're going. Good. We'll stop there for a bit with that. Um, we need to remember and never forget God's word, the scriptures, so that we will know which word is which. Now, Peter warns uh, that false teachers and prophets will come. Jesus warned that false prophets will come in Matthew 24. He said they will come, they'll even do miracles. Uh, They will deceive and, if possible, lead astray the elect. They're real warnings, aren't they? And they're not warnings for someone else. They're warnings for us. So... um, How do we believers in the 21st century not be led astray? It's by knowing which word is which. Which is God's word and which is not God's word. And the weapon that we use against false teaching and false prophecy is to constantly go back and remember what God has actually said. A few years ago, I was pastor in a small town in northern New South Wales and... um, a local pastor called in to see me one day. Her name was Jenny. And she gave me a piece of paper. And she said, I've had a revelation from God. And I've written it down on this piece of paper. And I've given it to you as his scripture. Um, it's an interesting moment. <laughs> Very interesting moment. First, I've had plenty of people say, God said this to me and that. But first time it ever written down, here it is on paper, was I holding in my hand the very word of God? Um, did God have a special and unique word for that town and was Jenny God's authoritative message, messenger or prophetess? No one's going to answer, are they? Well, I said goodbye to Jenny. I went in. I read it. And I actually ripped it up and threw it in the bin. Okay? Now, I didn't do it thoughtlessly. I didn't do it arrogantly. I threw that in the bin because regardless of Jenny's claims, I knew which word was which. Um, What she wrote on there, there was some stuff. There was some surprisingly silly stuff. But you really think God says this kind of stuff? Um, but I knew which word was which, and I knew which word was which because of what Peter tell, God tells us here in 2 Peter. See, one of the things he tells us in Peter is that God's word is a real and verifiable word. A real and verifiable word. You might say a historical word. It doesn't come out of the minds of men, and it can't be removed from reality. No, it's real truth that comes from God as he works his purposes in the real world in the past. Okay? See, Peter says you need to remember what God has said. If you're going to remember what God has said, there's one place it's going to come from, isn't it? In the past. And Peter says that this word is God, the inscripturated word for us. But let's think about it. Just think about our age now. Like, I don't know if you know the word existentialism. Big word. It, like all these big words, they're all scary, but they, they all have a simple meaning. And it's simply this, right? That truth is found 
in experience. Existentialism means that an ism is usually about the truth and truth comes from current existence. Existence, existentialism. Truth comes from present experience. And that's what we've got today, isn't it? I'll give you just one example. I could rave on all day about this. Um, This troubling new truth about gender, gender theory, gender fluidity, Um, where does that truth come from? Does it come from the past? Does it come from science? No, not the past, not science. No, it's, it's a new truth. And it comes from experience. And so we've got to say, is it a truth? Um, but that's existentialism. Now, we, we live in a world where people judge all truth by their own experience. And we've got to say, I'm smelling error here. Okay. Uh, 2 Peter 2, Peter describes, in 2 Peter 2 verse 2, Peter describes what is actually existential truth. It's always new truth that grows out of experience. This is what he says. And many will follow their sensuality. Okay, 2 verse 2. Many will follow their sensuality. In other words, their sensual experience. And because of them, what will happen? The way of truth will be blasphemed. I'll say, no, 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 you don't need to listen to that truth because my, my new truth out of my experience is, is true. But he says, no, sorry, it's not. It's not. Truth, truth actually, the way of truth has its origin in God. Just look at 1 verse 16 to 18. See the difference between biblical truths and myths. A myth is actually existential truth. A myth is a legend. It's something you sit down and write to kind of explain something, and it all comes out of your own head. Look what he says. Um, He he recounts the time when Jesus was transfigured on the mountain. You know that that account in Matthew, uh, Mark 9, where Jesus is transfigured? This is what he's talking about. He said, We did not follow cleverly invented stories, the word there is literally myths, when we told you about the power and coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he said, you know, we've told you about Jesus and about his coming in the future, his second coming. And in chapter 3 they say, where is his coming? It's all a load of rubbish. It's just something you guys dreamed up to get a following. That's what they were being attacked over. And he says, no, we, um, we did not follow invented stories when we told you about the truth about Jesus' power, you know, salvation, death, resurrection, and his future coming. He says, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Okay, so didn't make it up. It's because of what we saw, what we witnessed. And we witnessed something on that mountain that helps us know that what Jesus said is true. Verse 17, for he received honour and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory. Remember God, God spoke. Uh, saying, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven and we were with him on the sacred mountain. Um, Notice he's saying we, it's not I. It's not just, oh yeah, I was up on the mountain once with Jesus and this is what happened. No one else was there and 
No, no, we, James, Peter, John, um, a group of them. Peter's simply saying, we didn't think this up. No, we were there. Three of us, John, James, me, we saw Jesus transfigured. We saw his glory. Um, And what we had was a preview of what he told us about. Because God spoke as well and God called him, this is my son. Now, if you know your Bibles, my son is a really big term. You go back to... um, Psalm 2, this is my son. The son is the one who will rule and judge the nations. Okay? So this experience on the mountain, hearing this word, helps them look back and confirm what God said in the past. All right? Now, Jesus said he was the son of God, displayed that in his power, and it helped them think, hey, Jesus has said he's the son of God. God said he is. We know he is. Um. And Jesus said, I will return to judge the living and the dead. And so they go, yeah, we're on that mountain. We saw him transfigured like Jesus. There's more to Jesus than we realised. He's the son of God who will rule the nations. Jesus said he's coming back and we know that's true because we had a preview on the mountain. We witnessed it. See, it's all real truth, not made up. Um, I was uh, at an interfaith forum once, a few years back in Brisbane. Um, Interesting story how I got there, but I was defending the evangelical reformed faith and on my left was a Muslim cleric and on my right was the Anglican Archbishop of Australia, Philip Aspinall. Okay? Now, in, in question time, and we each explained what we believed and why it mattered for society. In question time, a woman, elderly woman, probably in her 60s, asked me, she sort of said, look, Bruce, why are you stuck on such dated ideas from the Bible? Uh, you know, we, we used to believe that stuff, but we've moved on. And, you know, the people in the room, yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. Well, I'm, I'm not clever enough to be subtle. And so I said, you just don't understand, do you? Um, I said, Jesus Christ is a historic figure. He came, he lived, he died, he rose again, he ascended. He's a historic figure. See, you say you moved on. You can't move on from history. All you can do is ignore it or live in the light of it. Uh, All you can do is stick your head in the sand or pull it out and have a look around and see what's going on. And you're doing the former. You haven't moved on. You're just ignoring history. And one day... You'll have to face it. Oh. Eh. You know, room goes silent. Uh, Next question, please. You know, let's move on. Um, We must remember and never forget God's word because it helps us know what is true. Okay? Simple as that. And in the face of false teaching and false prophets, Know which word is which. When someone turns up on your door and says, I have a revelation from God. Okay, let me think about that. Bible verse, hang on a minute. That's not the nature of scripture. Sorry, Jenny. Yeah, a few handy thoughts, but not the word of God. Very sorry, in the bin. Uh, There's a way of truth 
Peter mentions it in chapter 2. Where do you find that way of truth? I actually think this is a, yeah. um, a big issue for younger people because basically you guys are just fed existential truth all the time. It's just truth that's thought up out of experience. And there's no way of proving it. Even, you know, um, guys like, um, what's his name, Krauss gets on Q&A a bit. They, they, they talk about all these cosmological theories. See, they'll never be able to prove them right or wrong. It's just stuff they've thought up. Um, well, when it comes to, I'm not saying there's not truth outside the Bible. Of course there is. We're not told in the Bible how to build aeroplanes. But when it comes to truth to build your life on, we've got to come back to what God, what God has said. And Peter said that he wrote this to stimulate us to wholesome thinking. If we're going to think wholesomely about life, it's got to be based in the truth and the truth comes from God. And Peter says, it's interesting actually, when it comes to knowing God's word, knowing the truth, we actually lived in a privileged position because we live this side of Jesus. Just look at verse 19. Chapter 1, verse 19, he says, And we have the word of the prophets made more certain, and you will do well to pay attention to it. See, in Peter's day, they looked back to the Old Testament and they had all, all that unfolded and, and they, they knew it was true. It was the scriptures, it was called the, the prophets um, or the law and the prophets. But he says, we actually have an authenticated word now because Jesus has come. The old prophets pointed forward and Paul says, all the promises of God um, are yes in Jesus. And Peter says, you know, we have a more certain word now because we've actually seen the fulfilment of God's word in the past. I think Peter's saying two things. He's saying what was written in the Old Testament confirms Jesus' ministry and Jesus' ministry confirms uh, the prophets, the scriptures. So we have a very certain word and it was made certain in the real world. Eyewitnesses, people who died for the faith. Another thing Peter says here is in the end is that God's word must come from God. It's true, isn't it? If it's God's word, whose word is it? God's. Where did it come from? God. And he tells us, um, verse 20 to 21, that God's word does come from him. Above all, you must understand no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation, for prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So the prophet's word was not just their take on things. No, it was God moving them to give us his take on things, tell us his truth. And it, and it was inscripturated. It was written down so that we can have it. And Peter stands as followers of Jesus. We stand in a privileged position. We have the word made more certain and the word written here for us. Um, and in uh, verse 13, <clears throat> um, he says, I think it's right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body because I know that I will soon be put aside as our Lord and um, as Jesus Christ has told me. Um, 
And so he says, I want to make sure that you can remember. And what he's actually talking about is that him writing the letter of Mark. We, I don't know if you know this, but uh, a guy in the first century AD, Papias, tells us that in Rome, um, Mark was Peter's uh, secretary as Peter wrote Mark's gospel. And Peter's saying, I, as an apostle of Jesus, I'm going to write down the teaching of Jesus for you in the book of Mark, in those letters, so that you can have the word of God inspired by his spirit through his apostles and prophets um, so that you can stand on the truth. Uh, in, in 3 verse 2, he says, I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets um, and the command given by our Lord and Saviour through your apostles. Okay, so the word of the apostles is scripture. And... Um, and in chapter 2, he calls Paul's letters scripture. So um, you might think, yeah, look, I know all this, Bruce. Um, I know the Bible's the word of God. Uh, but that's, it's good that you know that. I hope you believe that. Um, you know, if someone comes and tells you that God's got a word, word for you, say, well, scripture and verse, please. Um, oh, no, no, it's not scripture and verse. And they keep on, you say, mate I, or lady, I've got to tell you, I'm smear, smelling a big hairy wolf here. Um, <laughs> you're just going to have to go. It's that important. Now, it's all that important, but you know what? It's of absolutely no use to you at all if you don't remember it, if you don't read it, <laughs> Okay. We must remember and never forget to have God's word in our life. Now, I don't know. I don't. I know Todd preaches the Bible. I've been just a standard question. Been asking you also. What do you enjoy about Exchange Church? Oh, I enjoy the way Todd always goes to the Bible, teaches the Bible. You know, fantastic. Um, what are you doing yourself to make sure you remember and never forget? One thing I try and do is um, I've always tried to do, and, and that is read the Bible either side of breakfast. I figure I've got to eat once a day, uh, eat breakfast. I mean, some of you don't have breakfast. We'll do it at lunch. You've got to eat at least once a day. But get into a habit of reading the Bible so that you don't forget because the way God's people have fallen away from you in the past is simply because they forget. Read the Bible. I read one chapter a day. That's that's. I read one chapter and one psalm. That's what I try and do, okay? Get into the habit. Remember, never forget. Um, second reason we've got to remember and never forget um, is so that we can be sure of the future. Um, how many of you are certain of the future? It, the last election um, campaign had Australia unsure of the future, didn't it? Um, mainly through the Greens' new existential truth about climate. Oh, it's, it's getting hot and so the world's going to end within our life if we don't stop driving around in cars that burn, burn petrol. Yeah, right. Um, existential truth that, that what? Has us worried about the, about the future. We know it's worried about the future because what happened? We had kids going on strike from school, saying, we don't know what our future's going to be. Well, 
I don't know about climate. Seems to be warming up a bit. Um, but Christians can be stable in our life because we actually know the future. And we know the future because we know the past. And we know the past because we remember God's word. Peter says, into his world and our world, we can be sure of the future because we know the truth from God's word and how he's acted in the past. In Peter's day, it's the same as ours. People will scoff about what we believe. 3 verse 4, particularly where is This coming he promised, ever since our ancestors died, everyone goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. Well, that's not true, is it? That's not true. Everything hasn't gone on. Lots of things have stopped. And Peter said, oh, yeah, and there was the flood. How can people talk like that? Well, it's because they forget. Peter says they can only say that because they're into unwholesome thinking. They forget 3 verse 5, they deliberately forget that long ago by God's word the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also the world at that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Okay, Unwholesome foolish thinking comes from forgetting God's word. Peter's point is simply this. God's word was the first word that started our world and Jesus' word, God's word, will be the last word that finishes our world and we can absolutely bank on it. You realise that's a dumb idea, banking on it, because the banks are all going to go up in flames, so don't do that. Just believe it. He's reminding us that it's God's world. And so to learn the truth about the future, where are you going to go to learn about God's world? To the Greens? No. You go to God, the one who made it. Peter says when we look back, we know that when God says he will judge, he does judge. When we look back, when God says he will be patient, he is patient. We know the future because we know the past. You know, God was patient with people in in Noah's day. We we think God said, I'm going to flood the world, and then he flooded it. But it's not actually how it worked out. Um, It says that uh, in Peter, it says that God is patient, um, that a day is like a thousand years, and he's patient so that people will come to repentance. Just think about what happened in Noah's day. Was God patient in Noah's day? He was. See, it says that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. He didn't just build an ark. He actually spoke about what he knew was true, right? And we think it took Noah somewhere between 50 and 80 years to build the ark. So you can just imagine the daily dialogue, can't you? What are you building, Noah? An ark. What for? Um, Because you people are are wicked and God's going to judge the world. (laughs) Yeah, good one, mate. Yeah, right. Five years later, you're still building this thing, Noah, yeah? Why are you doing that for? Well, because you people are wicked and God's going to flood the world. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, 40 years later, you're still at this, mate. Where are you getting all the gopher wood from, you know? See, God was patient. He didn't just flood the world, which he could have done. No, he gets Noah to build an ark, the biggest object lesson in history. 80-year object lesson. 
So they'll get it. And what happened? They didn't. They didn't. Every day the Lord doesn't judge was a day of repentance and of salvation. Same for us. Every day the Lord doesn't return is a day of opportunity for us. We're supposed to be preachers of righteousness, the gospel, for people to respond. But God did judge the societies as he said he would. And here Peter, yes, he's reflecting back on, on Noah and Sodom and Gomorrah, but here he's actually got in mind what Jesus said about judgment because he combines flood and, and fire. Um, flood and fire. Now in Australia we're familiar with floods uh, and fire. Floods are destructive and messy, but nothing quite holds the terror of fire. Um, you guys in Victoria, I looked up Black Saturday um, as I was thinking about this. Do you remember how many people were killed on Black Saturday? 180 and 414 injured. Probably not far from, like I don't know Victoria, but anyway. Um, well, Jesus pulls together flood and fire to let us know that he is really, really serious about judgment. I think I've got this on a slide. Yeah, from Luke chapter 17. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so also it will be day in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating, drinking, marrying, being given in marriage. Up to the day Noah entered the ark, the flood came and destroyed them all. See, that's, that's a paragraph describing God's patience. You know, while Noah built the ark, they were getting on with life and then, they, and then God destroyed them. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But there's a difference with the day of Lot. But the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulphur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just like this on the day of the Son of Man is revealed. Um, Peter's saying, friends, don't be deceived. Never, ever start to deliberately forget what God has done because he will come, he will judge. Yes, the Lord is slow in keeping his promise. For the people in our society, it's not some bloke building an ark. It's us being ready to give an account of the hope we have with gentleness and respect. But he will come. It will happen in the future. We can be sure of it. Okay? Peter's point is just like um, um, Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, False teachers will scoff and people will be ignoring God, but then he will come suddenly. In verse 10, uh, chapter 3, verse 10, just look at what it says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. It'll be a surprise. Have you ever been broken into or stolen, ever had something stolen from you, the thief? Um, it's an eerie experience, isn't it? Uh, I said I had motorbikes all my life. I had a pretty handy Honda and it was stolen. <laughs> I walked, it was at Warriella. I walked out, helmet under my arm, going to a meeting, walk into the shed to get on my Honda and ride off, gone. I thought, oh, I must have parked it somewhere else. No. I must have lent it. No. 
someone stole on it. It was just so unexpected. Peter's point is um, thieves are always unexpected. Jesus' return will be unexpected. Actually, that won't be the hard part. Peter says it's not just that personal destruction, it's personal examination by Jesus. See what he says? Everything on earth will be laid bare. That's the idea that you and I will be laid bare and there'll be a judgment of our life. See, Jesus offers to pay for the price of sin now. To lay, lay yourself bare before him now so that on the last day you're not laid bare and destroyed, sent to hell. So Peter's point, we can know the future. God's word uh, brought our world into being. God, Jesus, as Lord of history, his word will bring our world to an end. So we know the future. We can be sure of it. But with that comes, well, if you know the future, you know how to live for the future. Um, we all know the future of, of tonight, you'll be home. So what are you going to do after lunch? You're going to pack up, aren't you? You're going to get ready to leave. Well, Peter says we know how we should live because we know the future. Um, so I want you to do a bit of homework. Uh, work with me on this. I'm going to read this out and then you tell me how we should live because we know the future. Okay, how should we live? Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. Uh, global warming is true. Okay, the place is going to heat up. Um, but in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. I, I don't know, I love the sound of that. Um, so then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. So, everyone, tell me... How does Peter say? What things does he tell us? How should we live because we know the future? Sing it out. Okay, one at a time. Put your hand up. Say it clearly. Live holy lives. Do we know what that means? As best we can. Yep. Holiness means different and God is the measure of holiness. We don't work out what holy is by looking around how do we work out what's holy? By remembering and never forgetting what God said. Yeah? What else? Godly lives. Yep. A godly life is a God-like life. How do we know what God's like? We remember and never forget what God said. Yep. What else? Sorry? Yeah, we're looking forward to a, a new earth where righteousness dwells. See, you know, my Prado, your house, this place, your bank with all your money in it, um, everything's going up in smoke. But one thing that won't go up in smoke is the righteousness in Christ we have now will be part of a new life. So what should we be doing? Takes us back to chapter 1, doesn't it? Say, so add and keep on adding these things. Grow in godliness, in righteousness, yeah. 
We're taking our righteousness with us. Let's not get up there and find ourselves to be unrighteous and ashamed. Yeah. What else? Yeah. Yeah, we've got to be a, a Noah, haven't we? Yeah. Because yeah. Um, I, I just love that last line, bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. You know, we, we've got to work out how we can let our friends know that God is patient with them, waiting for them to repent. It'd be a terrible day, wouldn't it, if, you know, I don't know, if it's like the sheep and the goats thing with Jesus and we're walking alongside our neighbours and we go right to heaven and they go left to hell and the last thing they say to us is, why didn't you ever tell me? I didn't know this. It's, it's sort of sobering, isn't it? Because, see, we know this is going to happen. Why do I know this is going to happen? God created by his word. God judged Noah's time by his word. God judged Lot's time by his word. God promised he would bring a saviour and he has. He died, he rose. He sent. We know this will happen because God's been good for his word up till now. See, we know the future by knowing the past. Anything else? Yeah. Yep, live in fellowship with one another, remind one another of these things. Yep. Really important because I guarantee you stop coming to church, you fall out of fellowship, you'll forget God. Remember I asked you yesterday, do you know someone who, who is nowhere with God now? I tell you what, that didn't happen overnight. That began when they started to stop coming to church, when they started to stop listening to God's word, reading God's word. Yeah, it's, it's um, very important. Friends, uh, history tells a very simple story. Church history, biblical history. When God's people forget God's word, they forget God and they end up nowhere with God and they end up under his judgment. And when God's people do remember and never forget God's word, they grow, they escape, they flourish, they live as people with hope and they bring salvation to their friends and, uh, and neighbours. Uh, this is true for each of us as individuals. Peter was writing to individuals and he was writing to a church. And so um, Peter's three-pronged the words from... Peter, grow, never stop growing. Escape, never go back. Remember, never forget. That's a stable Christian life. That's a stable Christian church. I'm going to pray that this, this is true for you guys. Uh, Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the leaders that you've um, brought among us and brought before us, Todd and, and uh, Laurel and the other leaders of the church. Uh, Lord, please may these things from 2 to Peter be true for them personally, for all of us personally, and I pray that Exchange Church will be a place which knows of your patience, uh, always remembers your word, and always lives with the future in mind, uh, and prepares themselves for eternity, and uh, re reminds those around them of the Lord's love and mercy in Jesus, but also of a coming judgment that they can't afford, uh, avoid. Lord, you're at work in our life by your spirit, through your word. Um, 
all this has a different application to each one of us here. And so I pray that you'll do that work so that we will be stable, steady Christians who will never fall from the secure position that we have in Jesus. So, Lord, we thank you and we pray for all these things in his great name. Amen. Thanks, Bruce. Um, really terrific to uh, hear God's word open up to us and um, see the truths that come out of 2 Peter, um, written a couple of thousand years ago, but um, God's word is living and active. It's alive and it speaks to us directly where we're at today, so uh, really glad about that. Um, what I'd like us to do now is just, I think, a wonderful way to respond uh, to God's word is again to... Uh, Come back and remember, remember what Jesus has done for us. Uh, I think a great way to do that is to just reflect again upon the gospel, as uh, Bruce has spoken to us today about remembering and never forgetting. Um, if I could get um, Tommy and uh, Joel, if you guys could grab those communion elements there and just hand them out. That's what we're going to do now as we come around the Lord's table and remember again uh, the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I mean, Jesus knows how often we forget things. And he told his disciples at this meal, he said, I want you to do this in remembrance of me. And he says it here in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. He says this, this one thing, never to forget. And Paul's speaking here, he says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Jesus makes it really clear there two times. Do this in remembrance of me. Remember what the focal point of the gospel is. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. It is his death on the cross, which saves us from this judgment to come because he's washed us of all of our sins and cleansed us and given us his righteousness. And it all takes place at what we call the great exchange at the cross of Jesus Christ when we are born again into him. Jesus says, remember my death. Remember my, uh, the victory over sin that I've achieved for you. Keep in mind, remember the love that I've displayed for you at the cross. Remember this. Remember that death has been defeated now. Judgment has been overcome by what I have done. Remember, Jesus says, that God's justice has been poured out upon me in your place when I was at the cross. Jesus says, remember this. Remember this. Everything that Bruce has spoken to us over the weekend, over these three talks, all finds its foundation back in who Jesus Christ is and what he has done for us. If there was no death, if there was no resurrection, if there was no life of Jesus, we are all sunk and we are undone. But the fact is, Jesus says, remember, this is what I've done. 
And this is the great way we can respond in worship now as we come and celebrate again around the table, remembering it's all been made possible through what Christ has done. These are elements given to us to remember. We hold the cracker as the broken body of Christ. Beaten, bruised, bashed, massacred on that cross because of my sin, because of your sin. But because of his great love poured out for us and to glorify God, he takes that upon himself. So take that cracker now and eat that, remembering this is what Christ has done for us. the same with the cup you say it's just a cup of juice but it's what it represents and symbolizes for us today the real true living blood of christ poured out as the forgiveness of our sins sin cost life sin cost death and jesus's death was the payment for our sin we can worship christ now as we hold this cup knowing this all is made possible by that let's drink this cup in remembering what he's done Father, we uh, come now to the close of this camp and we just uh, thank you again uh, for the blessings of hearing your word through your servant Bruce. And we, God, we thank you again today that as we sit here and we reflect on uh, remembering and never forgetting, uh, we, we sit and reflect upon what Jesus has told the disciples in that last supper and what we have just done today, 2,000 years later, remembering again the death of Jesus Christ. Remembering again the suffering that he goes through. Remembering again, Lord, for his uh, resurrection as well. That is our hope of righteousness, which is our hope that is eternal, fixed in our hearts. And Lord, just as you've heard today, that there is a day coming when you will put an end to this world. But Lord, we can come and we can celebrate around the cross because we are safe. We are saved and we are secure in Christ and what he's done for us. Lord, we thank you for that and we praise you for that now in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm just going to head over to these guys to sing one song, then I'll uh, come back up for a couple of minutes.